I think that I'm going to do a professional intro, like olden times. Ah, oh, do you not normally? Oh, you normally just cut straight in, don't you? I do, but this time I'm not, because this is oh. the 100th episode of Unfinished Business, a weekly podcast about the business end of web design and creative industries. And this show, oh, f- now I see I got it wrong. It's just been cut so straight long. in. It's been so long since I did an intro. This is the 100th episode of Unfinished Business, a weekly podcast about the business end of web design and creative industries. The show's hosted by me, Andy Clark, and this week by my very, very special guest. Where have you been, Anna Devon? Where have you been? <laughs> I've been moving. Everybody moves at some point. <laughs> moving off the couch, moving out of bed. You've left the land of brioche buns for the I land have. of the smoke. And how are you finding it? It's really good. Um, I'm really happy here. Um, really enjoying not spending three hours on a train every day. It's down to uh, just under an hour every day. And is that on the tube or is that on the, like, on the, the train? Oh, lovely. I get a seat because it's at the right at the end of the line. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> no, I love that. Can you imagine what it used to be like in the 80s when you or 70s and before when you could smoke on the London Underground? Oh, that would have been horrible. I can't imagine what it must have been like. I mean, I did go to London when it was like that, but oh my God, I cannot imagine. It'd be like a little capsule of smoke bombing yeah. down the down Like the nowhere you can go that you don't end up smelling like a cigar. No, there used to be There used to be a guy get, who'd get on the train um, at Hayward's Heath, uh, which is kind of about 15 minutes from Brighton, and he'd, he'd often sit next to me, and I would be kind of half asleep at that point um and he smelt like he just had a bath in cigarettes and it smelt so bad that i i had to you know i had to cover my nose with the scarf i just i couldn't sleep because it was so smelly um and i'm so glad i'd never have to sit next to him again being an ex-smoker i didn't ever realize just how foul it was because <laughs> i used to put a lot away you know i could do 20 or 30 a day easily and I used to think to myself, God, you know, you suck a polo and then it's gone. But it didn't work like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and there'd be some times, I have to confess, when I was sort of pretending that I'd stopped, you know, maybe I'd, I'd stopped for a week or two and then, you know, I'd snuck a few back in. And I used to think that, you know, if you just went outside and had one, then nobody would notice. <laughs> or, you know, you have a, you know, you eat a Tic Tac and it's all gone. No, it doesn't. Horrible. No. There was um, the doorbell rang a few days ago, and um, right before it rang, I I got this whiff of like cigarette smoke, and I, I was just thinking, "There's someone, there's someone who's coming to the door," and then the doorbell rang, and I opened the door, and just everything like the, he was uh, giving me a package, and just the package stank of it, and I can't believe how much someone can smell of it, having you know not not holding a cigarette. Well, I unwrapped an ape that I'd, no, not many people can say that. I unwrapped an ape that I'd bought on eBay and it smelled of cigarettes because it had obviously been in somebody's house mm. where they smoked. And it was, uh, yeah, it's really strange. I'm not getting all kind of old and sanctimonious about being an ex-smoker, but you do notice it. Yeah, I got a console, I think it was a PS2 um, off eBay and uh, not only did it stink of cigarettes, but it was yellow because of the nicotine. Um, and I've seen PS2s, you know, they, they do, they do go a bit yellow over time, but this was, was bright yellow. Yeah. Sometimes you get into a, you know, an old car and the whole of the ceiling of the car is yellow. Mm. Um, my old, old, old Henry Honda was a little bit like that, to be honest. <laughs> the whole thing. It was like an ashtray on wheels. 
Wow. I know. Horrid. But I'm glad I don't do that. I do sometimes miss it. There are occasionally times when if I'm still up working late at night, which I try not to do anymore, mm. there's still a time when I would just go, oh, and you just get that little twinge. But it will be four years in March. Wow. So did you um, did you give up as a New Year's resolution? Uh, no, I gave up because I was actually getting to the point where I couldn't get up and down stairs without being out of breath. Wow. And I thought, this is no good. And this was before I piled on all the weight as well. So it was, you know, it was literally just the smoking that was making me, you know, making me ill. So I thought, right, that's it. And then previous to that, I, I mean, I don't know. I was just, it, everybody used to nag me to stop. And, you know, there's nothing that other people can do. If you, and if, unless you want to stop, you're not going to stop. Mm. And I just got to the point where that was it. I wanted to stop. And, uh, so yeah, so that was good. And yeah, I did it pretty much, <laughs> pretty much cold turkey. Um, I did take some, there's, there's a drug that you, that you can take, which I thought was going to help me and it didn't. Um, so I did the rest of it pretty much cold turkey, but yeah, no, I'm glad I've stopped now. Yeah. It's a real treat having you back on the show. Oh, I know. Cause I've missed you and I know p- other people have missed you because, you know, sometimes we get feedback now and, uh, we don't get many and we don't get as many letters as we used to. Um, and occasionally we'll get comments. So when's Anna coming back? <laughs> oh no. People like it, but you've been busy. You've been doing lots of things. Yeah. The past few months when it came to the move, I, I don't know how I would have done any, anything like that. Cause we were up in, we were up in London basically every day. Um, and feeling pretty shitty about it. Sorry. I forgot. I'm not meant to swear. We can um, bleep that out. We can have the capability <laughs> or I can just not be asked. <laughs> so you've been freelancing mm-hmm. for the same client. Uh, yep. Cool. So that's kind of contract work then i suppose yeah yeah i i work on site with basically all my clients now unless they're abroad <laughs> i have seen photos that you've posted occasionally i don't know whether this is the same client where there seemed to be a dinosaur fest going on yeah yeah that that's a thing what kind of thing uh dinosaur thing obviously we started off um well someone that i don't actually know but knows me through twitter sent um a tub of plastic dinosaurs to the office um, it was addressed to me, but it was for someone else. Um, and so we had those and after, uh, after I'd finished on a project, um, I thought it'd be fun to send two inflatable dinosaurs that were about a pound each on Amazon, um, to the client, um, so that they could kind of battle them so that, you know, now, now there were more dinosaurs and then someone else at the office decided to get an inflatable dinosaur. And now I think everyone has kind of contributed to the collection and we now have several dinosaurs. There's a, there's a six foot T-Rex, there's a five foot pterodon that hangs from the ceiling, uh, a stegosaurus. Oh no, a triceratops. Sorry. They get very particular if I, I get this wrong. What, the uh, dinosaurs get particular or other people get particular? Other, other people get, I mean, that there are, um, science organizations so you know you've got to get it right um there's a brachiosaurus um and oh uh those you know those little ones in jurassic park the really cheeky ones they're not the velociraptors velociraptors yeah they're not cheeky they're deadly tractoraptor they're not cheeky yeah they are i wouldn't want to meet one coming out of the corner shop they're really cute they're vicious little bastards tear your head off (laughs) <laughs> are you looking forward to the new jurassic park we're not allowed to talk about films no no of course we can yeah i am actually i didn't ever see jurassic park two or three but then i think that's probably okay mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I am quite looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, I've only seen the first one. Mm, me too. And from halfway through. Oh, well, you could easily watch the beginning bit. Yeah, yeah, I probably will at Christmas. It's one of those things that, that'll be on. See, now I don't feel so crazy having a studio full of apes when you've got <laughs> a studio full of inflatable dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh, please, no one send any more dinosaurs. It's not actually, like, my thing. It's their thing. I you love know, people how people think... send you random things through <laughs> the mail, though. Kind, crazy people. I don't know how they find out where, they, where I am. Because I don't post my address. I guess they, they figure out where I'm working at that time and, and send it there. I had someone send something to my accountant once, which is kind of weird. I've had nice things sent recently, oh, you know. People haven't have... you had, like, loads of uh, pension schemes? Oh, see, so, you know, the pension scheme thing has sort of died off now, considering yeah, the fact send, that... send stuff to Andy. He loves that. No, Andy does not like that. Next year I can have it legitimately, but this year I was holding on to, you know, not quite being 50 uh oh. <laughs> the... No, it stopped, it stopped when I started to tell the people that were actually phoning me up that I'm sorry, but Mr. Clark is no longer with us. Ooh. And then say I was dead and they would go, Oh, I'm really sorry. I'll take you off the list. And then it, it sort of tailed away. Thank mm. God. Ah, yeah. So that was a bit of fun. But people have sent me soap. Crazy people have sent me soap over oh, the years. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm. In fact, I've actually just used the last bit of the last bar of, of the orange one of the orange one. Oh, mm, yes. What's that like? It's a bit stinky, really. It was sort of very, um, very that's for strong. Fishermen. That's that's for like people who pull fish guts out of fish for a living. Yeah, I know. It was. Yeah. Have you heard of this stuff called swarfiga? No. Oh, uh, no. I used to use it when... We're I back worked. to talking about soap. This isn't good. I <laughs> see. We just can't leave it alone. No, Swarfiga is like a green gloop. It's the sort of thing you'd imagine a dinosaur would sneeze. Oh. Yeah, I know. Do you know that bit in Jurassic Park where the dinosaur does sneeze on the kids? Yeah. Swarfiga. <laughs> and it's a sort of a gooey stuff. And what it does is it's... You can use it like soap, but it's basically for taking oil off you. You know, if you're working in a garage, it's like a real kind of degreaser. No, it's much more stronger than that. Anyway, how did we get onto this? Uh, It just happened. We haven't talked about soap since you were last on the (laughs) programme. That's a lie. I've listened to podcasts with you and you have talked about soap. Mm, Once in a while. (laughs) No, we've covered a lot of ground because it hasn't all been about soap or Planet of the Apes. We've talked about ridiculous food as well. Yep. Especially burgers this year. I don't understand why you are so weirded out by burgers. I just want my food to be food. You know, we talked about this a long food. time ago. Yeah, but I don't it's want it fancy. It's just a different combination of food. I don't want it fancy. I mean, I watch Australian MasterChef, as people will know, and, you know, occasionally they'll do a deconstructed thing. I saw somebody making a deconstructed cheesecake the other day, and I just thought, just make a damn cheesecake. It doesn't need to be deconstructed. <laughs> and they were talking about negative space on the plate. Oh, wow, yeah. Big plate, and then all the food was just kind of like in one quadrant down the right-hand side. Do you have to, like, make a grid? Well, I think that chefs probably have a lot of the same design sensibilities as uh, as we do. Do you think they know about responsive food design? What you mean to fit, it has to fit onto, like, a saucer as well as onto a dinner plate and then onto, uh, like, a platter. Yeah, and then onto, like, a teacup. I think that that's, (laughs) yeah, responsive plating. Mm -hmm. You could be onto something. (laughs) got to coin the term but i just don't need things to be fancy you know i'm a very kind of plain sort of person and i just like everything to be as it should be i don't need uh i don't need knobs on it you know <laughs> it doesn't need bells and whistles 
Burger's just, just a, a burger. burger. Burger's just, just a burger. Just a different type of bread. Yeah, well, I know that it's not very or sensible to be so fixated by Or a Yorkshire pudding. Yeah. Oh, I think you're onto something. I think it's already been done. <laughs> so this, this is going to be the final episode of 2014. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to record one over Christmas this year. Um, and we will be back in February at some point. February? Mm. Skipping out January? Yep. Well, you know how some American TV shows like The Walking Dead and yes. other things, they have oh. like their mid-season break, which they're never on in January. That's so annoying. I know it is, isn't it? Because I, I buy everything on iTunes and all of a sudden it, they stop coming. And I'm like, oh. And then you Google it and it turns out to be mid-season break. I got up to the penultimate episode before the break of the season that's just come out. And um, I was talking to a friend about it, saying, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, they're talking about things that have happened, but they're not actually explaining what's happened. I've realised that um, I'd completely missed out the fourth season. Um, so I had to go back and watch all of that. I'd gone from the third season to the fifth season. Bad now, you need to watch the fourth one. Because I think the third one got a little bit slow. Yeah. And the fourth one definitely picked up. And then this one's been brilliant. It's been the best mm. one so far. We've been watching Homeland as well, oh. which I think is really, really good this time. Season four. Oh, we've got a little banter to get out of the way, haven't mm, we? We have. Let's tell you what. What I thought we would do is I thought that we would finish off this year, like all good shows do, with a bit of a recap. Uh-huh. And we might talk about our New Year's resolutions. Yes. And what we plan to do next year. Yep. In a very kind of festive way. But before we do that, could I do a sponsor? Go ahead. Well, I say sponsor, but they're not actually paying me this week to say anything about them. But I want to because they're just ace. And it just seems appropriate that you're on the show because they were our very first sponsor. Is it Perch? All the way back in January 2013. And it is, yeah. It's Drew and Rachel and Perch. Yay! Now, there's two things I want to talk about. And, you know, if you want to switch off, switch off from it, but I'm going to talk about them anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because we've talked quite a lot about Perch Runway lately, and I'll come on to that in a minute. But I also wanted to remind you about Perch, because we all know that it's a great content management system to use on new projects, but it's also really good at breathing life into old ones. Something that Perch does differently from everything else is that it can be easily retrofitted into existing sites. So we've all got those small static sites knocking about that we have to keep updated. I mean, there might be sites for smaller clients or for personal side projects, maybe even a voluntary job that we've done for friends and family. And they could be a right royal pain to update. And it always takes longer than it should to get the file set up and make sure you're working with the latest version. And then you've got to find the right hosting account details, all the rest. It would be much easier if you could just log in and make some changes with a little CMS. And Perch is great for small projects like that. You can just drop editable regions into your pages and then they show up automatically inside Perch, ready for you to start adding content. You don't have to worry about turning your pages into themes, yuck, or anything like that. You just add the regions to your existing static pages and you start editing. And it's also a great business opportunity for web designers too. Yeah, because the new year is a perfect time to get back in touch with old clients and talk to them about maybe adding a CMS to their site. And it would help them keep their content up to date and enable them to get the full value out of their existing web presence. And if you're already running Perch and their site's growing, you could talk to them about upgrading to Perch Runway. So Perch is just £50 plus VAT and no ongoing costs. I really love Perch. And to find out more, go to unfinished.com. 
bz slash grab a perch they'll know that we sent you yeah i love perch i've been using it for um 24 ways uh, no it's fabulous adding all the articles in it so nice oh we used to use um oh what was it uh expression engine uh, no I wordpress think the really old one that everyone used to use movable type movable type oh my god yeah gosh that was what the stuff site and my blog used to use back in Back in the noughties. <laughs> it is so much better than movable type, I can tell you that. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, we mustn't forget while we're on the subject of Perch that they have something called Perch Runway, which I don't know whether you've seen yet, but I have, and it's brilliant. Yeah, I've been trying it out. I mean, that's what um, the 24-way site uses now. Last year it was just regular Perch, and now it's Perch Runway. I love this. It's a new version of Perch that they say has been reimagined for larger and more complex sites. You know, sometimes there are times when we feel that another CMS might be better suited to a larger or maybe a more complex job. But now we don't need to look anywhere else because we can use Perch Runway. And it's perfect for those projects that you think might be too big for Perch or maybe as an upgrade when a successful Perch site grows up. And everything that you've learned about developing with Perch, your knowledge of templates, even custom apps that you've developed are going to work in both Perch and in Perch Runway. And here are some things that Perch Runway is brilliant at. You can store your images and your files in the cloud as Perch Runway supports Amazon S3 and Rackspace Cloud Files OpenStack. (laughs) You can even move resource buckets onto cloud storage. Are you following me? And also serve those assets via a CDN like CloudFront. Cloud buckets. That sounds very clever, but I have no idea what it means. You can back up to Dropbox, now that I understand, or to your cloud storage. And Perch Runway has integral scheduled automatic backups that support not only backing up to a selected cloud bucket, but also to Dropbox. So you can relax knowing that your latest database and all the assets are accessible in your Dropbox account. Ah, man, I'm going to use the hell out of that. You've got collections of non-page content which can include things like products, job listings, real estate listings, and so on. Content that might be used around the site in different ways. Oh, and there's so much more. I was just amazed by the price. It's £189 plus VAT per site. Do you know, I'd have paid more than that, much more than that. £189 is a bargain. You would be a moron not to buy a license to see what Perch Runway is all about. So go to unfinished.bz slash grab a perch and support just a fabulous British company that's making a brilliant product. And they're not paying me to say that this week. I just love them so much. And they've been friends of the show since week one. So please, if you're going to do anything today, yeah, you could buy your nearest and dearest a copy of Perch Runway. (laughs) I think you should. Everybody should have a copy of Perch in their stocking this year. You have to wrap it up in a really big box, though, because it's quite a small CMS in terms of the code base. It's like nothing. What, you mean to like, put a lot of filler in there? Yeah, like um, print off the license code and put it in just this massive box. With a load of polystyrene peanuts? Yeah. Or perhaps some shredded paper? <laughs> On the subject of sponsors, I just want to take a moment also to thank everyone else that supported the show in 2014 as well. We've had some nice people. Um, Antitype, Big Board, Deconstruct... Who'd have thought that would have been a thing? Deconstructed cheesecakes? <laughs> Deconstruct the conference. Supported one week. Uh, DeviceLab.York, Espresso, Gather Content, Ghost Lab, Forge, Hover, 
Logical Elements, Native Summit, Shop Geek, Simply Fix It, and Shopify. They all sponsored the show this year. So thanks for doing all of that. That was brilliant. So have you had a good year overall? Yeah. I mean, it was quite a stressful year. Um, cause I had to buy a house and move and stuff like that. Um, but it all worked out and now it's, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> what about you? Uh, yeah. It was, overall, it was definitely a better year than the year before. Um, for, you know, in different ways. We, in the not so good things, it wasn't such a good year for business this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that it was only us that kind of felt the pinch. I spoke to quite a few people that had, um, had a similar year. People that we know that run, you know, agencies, small yeah, agencies. Yeah, a lot of agencies are struggling, I think. And, you know, we're quite lucky in that our overheads are very low, even though our overheads are going up because, you know, we've got staff now mm. and we've got a new office as well. So, our overheads have gone up and, you know, we do need to earn a consistent amount every week, really. But so we're, we're quite lucky in that respect. I mean, we don't have like 20 people to, to pay for. Yeah. Um, but then we don't have 20 lots of billable people bringing the money in, which I suppose is the other thing. So, you know, we have worked with a lot of uh, lovely people and we made some really nice work, I think. Yeah, I noticed uh, you worked on a project for a client who I'm working with at the moment. Uh Again, I can't remember the name. Code Enigma. Code Enigma, yes. Mm. No, really good friends of ours now. Yeah, and they're great. We did, no, we love working with them. And we did their rebranding and we designed all their site templates, which they, you know, they obviously made up in Drupal. Mm. But we did all the all the initial kind of uh, setup and then uh, and then they put it all together. But they, Yeah, because one of the guys who works there, he, um, he asked me to take some photos of, of some of the staff. Um, he didn't really explain what for. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll bring my camera in. Did that. And then I, a few weeks later, I saw them on, um, a blog post that had your new design on it. Um, and that was really nice. Well, it's funny, actually. I was looking at their team page the other day, which must have had your photos on it. And they've, we had a particular design where they were all kind of, uh, turned into black and white and then kind of duotoned over the corporate colors. Right. And there's t- three or four different colors that we use across the design. So some people are on orange and some are on blue and some are on green and some are on yellow, that kind of thing. And they've all been done in Photoshop. So they're all just individual images, mm. um, where the colors actually embedded. But I was doing a, a workshop in Oslo a few weeks ago and I've, I've got this whole section now about CSS blending modes. Right. And it just made me think, oh, man, I must get back to the guys at Code Enigma and get them to maybe change that, that team page mm. so that it's using CSS blend modes instead of using, you know, putting the, the color into the images. So that could be quite cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, the photos I took were just for the blog. Um, it was the piece about Mosaic. Oh, right. Okay. Ah, right. So I thought you meant, I thought you meant that you'd done their team pictures. No. Oh. I've only met a couple of them who work there. But they're very nice. No, they're really, really good people. They're very, very smart. Mm. No, we've enjoyed working with them a lot. And uh, they've referred us on to some other people too. So that's been one of the sort of the brightest spots of the year, really, actually. And it gave us the opportunity both with them and with another company, which um, which they recommended to us, actually, which is called Full Fat Things. Um, And that was our some of our best kind of branding and design work, I think, this year. Mm. It is really good. Oh, thank you. Um, so we've been doing a lot of kind of smaller, shorter projects, which are, it's, it's not as good for the bank balance, but it's, 
even worse for the stress levels because you know when you when you're doing a few things i'm i'm the world's worst multitasker so when you've got quite a lot of things to juggle i get very stressed yeah and i much preferred it when we were able to be doing you know three or four month longer jobs yeah i certainly prefer that i mean the year before I was still coming off all of the work that I did up at Scottish TV and for Universal Credit. So, you know, those were kind of like regular gigs where I would spend like a year on something. Mm. So, And you really get to know the people there as well. Yeah, which I did enjoy that, although there was a lot of travelling involved. Whereas this year it's been quite a lot of smaller stuff. Um, so I want to be a little bit smarter maybe um, next year. Um, and I think a lot of it, to be honest, a lot of it has been down to the stuff that um, we pitch on our website. I mm. firmly believe that the stuff that you show is the stuff that you get. Yes. And we had some, um, you know, we had some big corporate jobs in the portfolio for a long time. And those were the kind of jobs that we ended up getting. And then more recently, as the stuff that's been in the portfolio has been, it's been creative, but it's been smaller scale. We don't, haven't, we haven't seen the bigger jobs this year. Now, so that's either because of the way we've been presenting ourselves or they just aren't out there. But I, I don't believe they're not out there. I think a lot of it is that people are building up in-house teams, which is which is really good because, you know, they're, they're doing more on site. Um, but it does mean that a lot of agencies are, are kind of struggling now. Well, Paul Boag and I were talking about exactly that. Um, because I think Headscape have seen a similar thing where a lot of their work is now consultancy. I loved that show. That was really, really good fun. No, I enjoyed it. I'm going to try and get Paul to agree to come back again. At oh, some yeah, point. do that. <laughs> um, in fact, no, he, he was back for the Doctor Who special. So he has I been didn't on listen to that because I don't watch Doctor Who, but I really enjoyed the one he was on earlier. Mm. No, and he, we were talking about this. And I think that, yeah, people are realising that design is something that you really ought to have a capability of in-house. Mm. So... I don't mind that so much though, because we, you know, we spend a lot of time working alongside people. Those are the best jobs that we can do. So I'm not too worried. And we're flexible. You know, we're small enough to be able to actually go like Headscape, go and actually work with people, you know, like you do. Yeah. Literally like move in. Yeah. Um, and again, I quite like that because, you know, when you work on your own or with the same people all the time, you know, it's nice to get a bit of a break. Yeah. So we, you know, we, we made a profit doing something that we enjoy. So I mustn't complain. You know, not everybody can say that. Um, and we earned enough money to have to pay tax and <laughs> <laughs> I've ordered some new Apple kit. So I'm just going to put it down to experience really and see whether we can, you know, have a better year this, this one coming. Mm. I suppose on the good side of things, um, uh, Planet of the Apes, obviously, because the film was great. I really, did you see Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? I have not. Oh, you must be the only person left in the modern world that hasn't seen. <laughs> there are tribes deep in the Amazon jungle that have only just met white men that have seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> in fact, they queued up outside the Odeon and you haven't seen it yet. Oh, God. Nope. <laughs> so that was good. Uh, Alex graduated. Oh, yeah. So I know he, cause he listens Where's to the show. Where's he off to now? He is actually now doing a PhD at Royal Holloway. Ooh. So he's down your neck of the woods. Um, although I didn't realize that Royal Holloway is not actually in Holloway. <laughs> it's somewhere else, but it's still London. So that was good. Uh, we moved into our new office, so we're not working at home anymore. So that's been pretty much of a success. 
How are you finding that transition? I actually found it really quite quite easy. Um, in fact, on a couple of occasions where I've worked from home because I wanted to get some writing done or did, you know, on a Friday when I've been recording the show, I don't bother going in in the morning. Mm. So sometimes, yeah, it can be a little bit strange working from home. I've got really used to being in the office and we've definitely noticed more of a separation between work and home, which has been good. Yeah. So, Do you like the commute? Uh, it's about 15 minutes in the car, mm. which is actually okay. Yeah, it's fine. So I've been pleased with that. And I don't know what, I don't think that we'll be able to stay in the same place for indefinitely um, because it's supposed to be a sort of a startup incubator type of building. I see. But we managed to wheedle our way in because, well, they had a room and, and we were kind of moving out of the house. So we, you know, we kind of bent the rules a bit. Mm. So we'll see. That was good. What else was good? Oh, Geek Mental Health Week. Mm-hmm. That was an incredible success. I was just over the moon with how people reacted to that. Mm. And there are plans to do it again next year. Oh, yeah, definitely do that. So there's a couple of things that I want to do. I want to take all of the content that people submitted, because to be honest, it didn't come at the best time. So Hayden Pickering, who I think you know. I think I I vaguely know, yeah. I thought that you did. He did a really nice job, such a nice guy. And he volunteered basically to build the website and update the GitHub repository for a week. And now all of that's done and it's not going to change now for a while. I thought that it would be a good idea maybe to actually do a proper design for it. Mm. You know, something that's a lot more kind of readable and you know just better really. Yeah. So if I get some time on my own over Christmas and New Year, I'll probably sit down for a couple of days and just, uh, you know, produce something a little bit nicer. So that was good. Um, and I suppose the other thing really that's been good is this podcast. I've really enjoyed doing it. <laughs> I'm glad you keep doing it. Well, you know, I'm not so sure that it will last indefinitely. I probably want to do something a little bit different with it in the new year, which is why I'm not going to be doing anything until February, hmm. because I want to have a little bit of a thought about, you know, maybe changing the format slightly or certainly lining up new guests. So I haven't had really much time to devote to any planning for a while. Yeah. So that's what, and I want to change the website and yeah, I thought you'd say that. and shift the hosting and all of the stuff that I haven't had time to do. So hopefully a couple of evenings in January and I'll be able to get that done. Mm. But I've really enjoyed it. I mean, there's been really nice people on to talk to and, you know, it's been a laugh, you know, and it's been my kind of creative outlet for the last year, really. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, we can just build, you know, all of these things will just build into something better next year as well. Mm. I'm always the optimist. Can you hear the cat? Is that what that was? Is she meowing? Yeah. She's just reminding me that she needs feeding. But the uh, way that they, they yowl at you, it's as, if yeah. it's as if they've never been fed ever. It's yeah, as if the, yeah. if you don't feed me in the I next five die. minutes, I will die and you will regret it. I'll die with my <laughs> tail pointing at you or something. <laughs> She's just staring at me. So have you got any New Year's resolutions? I have, but they're the same ones that I have every year and don't quite do. Well, you don't need to quit smoking or lose weight, do you? (laughs) Um, I've got one that, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will have in common, um, is to try and answer emails within a day, um, which is quite ambitious. But my current email strategy is... um, I I kind of I let the inbox get 
more and more full. And then when it gets unbearable, I I'm like, all right, I'm, I need to tackle this. And I try and reply to the ones that only take a minute right there. And then the ones that take a bit longer or need sort of consideration, I create a to-do list item and I put that in things. And then they just kind of sit there until the next time around when I add even more. And so I've got this massive sort of things repository of to-dos. It's just answer this email, reply to this email. And it's not very good because I feel like I've done it because it's out of my inbox, but it's just in a different inbox that I kind of just shove out of the way. <laughs> there must be a better strategy than that. Is, is a lot I of think the... it's just to deal with it. What kind of email is it though? It's things like someone asking me to write something or um, to look at something. Uh, it might be a work request that I'm not sure about, but I can, I'm thinking, oh, I can recommend someone else for this, but. I need to check if they're available. Um, it's a lot of things. It's really bad. Would it be the sort of thing where you can set up like a boilerplate reply? Yeah, and that's what I'm going to be doing over Christmas is I'm going to be writing all of these boilerplates. Um, so things like speaking requests, are quite, I'm not very good at replying to because it'll come in and I'll just be like, oh God, someone's asking me to speak. Oh God, do I want to do this? And... I let it sit there while I think about whether I do or don't want to do it. Um, and then eventually I'll get a follow up email saying, did you, did you see this email? And then I'll get even more scared and think, right, I really need to do something about this. I need to just decide. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's the main thing really. Do you have a policy as to what will make you say yes or no to a speaking request? No, cause I'm still not really sure whether I want to do it or not. I've done a couple of talks this year and I'm not really sure what I want to do next year, whether I want to do more speaking or if I just, if I'm happier not doing any. I suppose if you've got a regular contract with a client as well, it's not quite so easy for you to just go, right, I'm not going to be here this week because I'm going to go to, yeah. you know, somewhere. And I don't want to turn down all the ones that don't pay because, you know, some of them are, they're, they're kind of small meetups or um, something like that. And but at the same time, it, I do have to take days out of work. So I have to consider, you know, is this going to, is this going to be a bad thing to do for business? Am I going to have to turn down work because of this? Yeah. It's definitely something to consider because it does take more time than people generally imagine it takes. I mean, not just to prepare the stuff, but you know, the actual time at traveling there, tra- and traveling there. exactly. And thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And there, there's, there's a lot of thinking about it and worrying about it time as well. But yeah, having a boilerplate for email, I think is a good idea. I just have half a dozen things set up now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have a look at, um, Ethan Marcotte wrote a blog post a while back about things that he asks conference organizers. Yes. I saw so he that. has this whole list of things like, um, you know, what is your payment policy? Uh, do you have a code of conduct? What do you, um, what is your travel policy? That sort of thing. And I, I need to do that because. Most of the emails I get asking me to speak, they're just very vague. And I have all these questions, but it's like, oh, I don't want to deal with this right now. I'll think about it later. Well, the other thing that you could maybe do, which I know some speakers have, and I've been thinking that I would put one together for me for myself, is basically a little PDF, mm. which um, has your, you know, it's not your rider, but, you know, it's got a few things on there. I mean, it's... it's... <laughs> your frequent flyer number. <laughs> well, no, just stuff like that. But, yeah, and the, the fact that, you know, you, you want it, if it's over a certain number of hours on a flight, then, you know, you'd like Andrew to do business Andrew requires class. a basket of kittens on arrival. 
No, kittens are okay, but you can't eat a whole one. <laughs> it's you can't, I can't have the blue M&Ms because they make me crazy. Oh, okay. So you, you need someone hired specially to pick them out. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's on my rider. Nothing about parrots. I ate a whole packet of peanut M&Ms yesterday. I got them in for work and everyone was really hung over and didn't want any. So I just kind of throughout the day just ate this bag of peanuts. I tweeted a couple of weeks ago when it was sort of fairly late in the evening and that I wish that I had a stash of Twiglets. And then the wow. following day I woke up to a tweet from at Twiglets. Yeah. Them. At Twiglets on Twitter said, we can help you with that. And then about <gasps> two days later arrived in the mail two big bags of Twiglets. Whoa. That's the power of Twitter. So I'm going to try that with BMW. <laughs> oh, I really fancy a BMW right now. Mm. If only. If only. What are your New Year's resolutions? Uh, personal or business? Uh, business. I want to spend more time working on material. Not just doing client stuff, but actually try to build in some point in our kind of regular calendar for actually writing material for design and CSS workshops. Ah. Because I updated my CSS for responsive design workshop a, f- a couple of months ago. And actually I did it just for just before the web is conference. And not only does it take a long time and goes out of date quite quickly, but you know, you want to be, you want to be making it better. Yeah. And I don't, for the amount of times that I give a workshop like that, I need to do them more to actually justify the amount of time that it takes to write all the stuff. So I want to do more. Um, but I also want to actually build in more time during the week to work on that kind of content, you know, because mm. to be honest, I haven't been writing that much. You know, I've not done anything on the blog really for ages. Yeah, same. So I want to focus a little bit more on that, um, so that we can do more workshops on our own. Um, not just at conferences, but you know, maybe doing our own series again. Cause we did that years ago. And, uh, yeah, we stopped. And then I did think about the idea of doing some sort of short video courses and maybe even a little book, you know? A book? Yeah, maybe a little short book because I. People still read books? Well, I don't think that they read big books anymore. <laughs> I can't think that, I mean, I'm just looking at the shelf behind me, you know, I've got big CSS anthologies and, you know, lots and lots of old, you know, Friends of Ed books and things like that, big two, three hundred pages. I don't think people write or read books like that anymore. Mm. But, you know, little pocket guide size things or book apart size things I think could be really useful. So I think I might do that as well in the new year. Mm. And then from just from a sort of a general business point of view, I just want to, I want to shift our focus a little bit. We're going to do a relaunch on the website in January. Um, and I think people will be quite surprised at the way that we pitch it in the new year. Right. Because I want to move away from focusing on the webby side of things and focus a little bit more on the creative ideas work. Right. Because, you know, to be honest, there's a million and one web design companies. I mean, I know there's always been web designers, but, and we were always early, you know, we all, we were always doing things a little bit earlier than a lot of the people in our area, you know, CSS stuff, the responsive design stuff. But now, Mm. you know, every man and his dog talks about responsive design. You get clients Mm. asking you for it. So I don't want to, promote ourselves based on um you know the technical side of it or the all the approach i want to focus on the creative which i think is a, an opportunity to to do something a bit nicer mm, that could be fun yeah and then i'm going to be at a few conferences uh i'm going to do reasons to be creative in london in february so maybe we can hang out then 
And then I'm, I'm going to be speaking exclusively for, uh, Smashing Magazine next year in the US, uh, particularly. So I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to go to New York in June. And they're helping me organize, uh, some design and CSS workshops out there as well. Yeah. So hence the reason why I want to do a bit more writing. And then we're going to go to, uh, I'm speaking at Respond Conference in Sydney in March. Uh-huh. And then we're going to do some workshops in Perth and Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane, maybe. Oh. So we're going to go to Australia for probably about five or six weeks. Oh, that's nice. No, it'll be lovely. Sort of March, April time. And then I'll be at Smashing Conf in Freiburg in September and Barcelona in October. So that's my year pretty much business-wise. Wow, you got it all panned out. Pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, unless a, another conference comes along and says, you know, we'll take you somewhere interesting or, you know, we'll pay you lots of money. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's pretty much me set. So, yeah, so business, I just want to – I've got something to say. You know, I've, I'm feeling like I, I want to start – not start, but I want to talk about creativity a lot more than, you know, maybe we've done in the past. Mm. So I'm going to talk about it at all those conferences and that's what the website's going to focus on as well. Cool. So something I wanted to talk about with your permission mm. is, um, meetings. Mm. Cause I think they have a bad name. You know, as soon as you mention, oh, we should hold a meeting, people are, oh, great. Um, I think a lot of companies have, um, a meeting culture as well, where every every small decision has to be backed up by several meetings. Um, so I want to talk a bit about meetings and good meetings, bad meetings, and how like maybe for the new year, if you are someone who runs meetings, um, maybe it could be your resolution to make meetings better. Sure. Does that sound really boring? No, it doesn't sound boring at all. In fact, it's it it actually interests me a lot. Um, because I can remember, you know, we talked about going and working with clients. And I remember when I worked at STV up in Glasgow for, well, it's about 18 months, really. Man, they have a lot of meetings. And, you know, literally, th- th- there was never a time, there was never not a meeting going on at any time of the day. Yeah. There was always something happening. And you, you try and pin someone down and they're, oh, they're in a meeting. Yeah. And there would never be a full complement of either managers or developers or business people or whatever. Yeah. They wouldn't all, all be there at the same time. Somebody would be in a meeting. Yeah. And in the end, they actually did stop inviting me because I think I just, I would just, <laughs> Took the no, I would just sit there carrying on doing what I was doing. Yeah. yeah so what's your take on it? I mean, do you, do you have to do a lot of meetings at the current client? They don't generally like make me do meetings, so I'm I'm quite happy with them. Um, it's not that bad actually. A lot of places I've um, worked are very kind of meeting heavy, but I think I'm quite shielded from it being a contractor. Um, but yeah, certainly places I've worked before have had a kind of meeting culture, and it's kind of you know there are there are there are really bad meetings, but there are also some really good meetings. So if you think back. Um, to the last time you had a really good meeting and think about what made it good. Um, I think there are a few things like um, maybe it wasn't any longer than it needed to be or um, the people there were engaged and made good contributions and at the end of it you kind of you knew exactly what actions you needed to take. Can you remember having a meeting like that? I'm trying to think back to the last good meeting that I had. Um, so it depends on what your class is a meeting because we do a lot of workshops with people. Mm. So if we're doing branding work, for example, or we're designing user personas, which is all very UXy, but you know, 
we do that yeah. kind of stuff. We spend an entire morning or day sometimes with people. And, you know, there's just kind of, you know, two or three, four or five people in the room at any one time. And sometimes we get sandwiches <laughs> and we have a little break for tea. D- does that count as a meeting? I don't know. I don't think I can remember a good business meeting for a mm. bloody long time, but I can remember some pretty damn good workshops that we've done. Mm. So I know you're a big fan of um, Merlin Mann. Um, he did a Back to Work episode, um, episode 115, um, and it was based off a workshop he did called uh, Broken Meetings and How You'll Fix Them. Um, and he had some really good tips that I've kind of, I've made some notes on and I'm going to kind of crib off him a bit because um, they're really good. Sure. Um, if you, if any listeners want to have a listen to this podcast, um, it's, it's really good. Um, you'll need to listen about 33 minutes in because um, there's a lot of banter at the start, which is <laughs> kind of like that? us. Who would do that? <laughs> I mean, I'm saying that and we're like 50 minutes into the podcast. So. <laughs> I'll dig out a link for the show notes. Yeah. That'd be good. Um, so he has this list of 10 things that make meetings better. Um, I'll just run through them. Um, I'm not going to talk about all of them because he does it so much better. But um, uh, number one is purpose. Two is agenda. Three is grazing policy. Four is edges. Five is guests. Six is timekeeper. Seven is no rat holes. Eight is focus. Nine is follow up. And 10 is consistency. And I've kind of written a schedule for what a good meeting would look like or a better meeting would look like. What number of podcasts did you say that it was? 115. 115. Back to Work with uh, Dan Benjamin. I'm just flicking back through the Back to Work archives. 115. An invitation to blame party. Yes. Fixing the culture of meetings. Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a really good podcast. It's very... um it's it's some really good quotes in it um so they they kind of talk about the different types of meetings um one of them um they refer to as like uh, i think dan benjamin says it's like a bean counter of opinions you know where you get a bunch of people in a room and you ask them all for their opinion and it just takes ages and some people agree some people disagree and at the end of it you kind of make a decision on whether to go ahead with this thing or not um and merlin terms a different type of meeting is an invitation to a blame party where you're just kind of deciding whose fault something is see i never ever seem to get involved in those kind of things um i mean certainly uh, stuff we don't ever have any meetings at all really well yeah we well, have... you don't really need to you're you're quite a small agency you know we have meetings with the accountant where we decide on things but you know mm. we, we don't kind of get involved in the, the kind of things that you're talking about and i don't really get involved in that kind of thing with clients to be honest mm. i think it's a i see it a lot in in companies and i'm not going to say that i've ever really run a meeting in that way but i you know looking from the outside and seeing what what would it take to make this meeting better um you know we do things like scrum at the beginning of the day um and that works really nicely and i think one of the reasons it works nicely is because it's designed to be very short mm. um and a lot of meetings they you, know, you allow like an hour for them and i've been i've been sat in some where it's clear that a decision has kind of been made but people are just still hanging about because they're there for the whole hour and they've booked that whole hour for it and they stretch it out you know it doesn't need to last that long if you maybe if you brought it down to half an hour or or 20 minutes i think it would be you could get a lot more done in a lot less time because if you think about it if you think of all the people who are in a room having a meeting 
And if you calculate their day rates and how much money that meeting is costing, you've got to be able to justify that. You know, a lot of meetings are going to make a lot of sense that those people need to be there um, and it's going to be worth that cost. But some don't, you know, they're, they're not worth that cost. I know that it's, I'm sort of a bit cynical because, you know, I, I don't work inside that kind of corporate culture. But whenever I have worked for a long time at a client site and I've, I've got to, you know, got to see how people work, I am absolutely mm-hmm. convinced that people who have jobs and take a salary as opposed to people that work for themselves or freelance or whatever, I am sure they work less. These people are going to write in. They really are going to write in. But I'm sure that actually they get less done than people that are feeling, I don't know, maybe they're used to working faster or, or getting cramming more in because they have to, you know, like freelancers. <laughs> and I think with meetings, people can just disappear into a meeting and feel that they're being busy doing yeah. something, but that's not necessarily something productive. Mm. And that's often been my take on kind of meaningless meetings, really. You know, yeah. I, I like the idea. I think I haven't read it for a long time. I should go back and reread it. But the rework book by 37 Signals guys, mm-hmm. I think that they, I think meetings are toxic was the term that they used. <laughs> um, but one of the things I can remember is about keeping meetings short, as you said. Yeah. You know, making and something no more than do, 10 or 15 like, minutes. Get everyone to stand up during the meeting. Yes. That, that tends to keep them short. Um, Which I think is why scrum meetings tend to work so well. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about is uh, when you're scheduling one, it's it's really difficult to find um, a time that everyone can do and also think about who you're inviting because it, I know it feels a bit like, you know, when you're a 12 year old and you're, you're trying to figure out who to invite to your party and it's like, well, if I don't invite this person, they're going to get really upset and they're not going to be my friend anymore. Um, or I have to invite this person, even, even though I don't like them, because if I don't invite them, then they won't invite me to their party. And, um, it, it, it can kind of feel like that sometimes when you're trying to decide who do I invite to this meeting? Um, and, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna, have some good contributions or who's going to disagree with things the most, you know, who do I need to include? Um, and often the default is to just invite everyone. And something that Merlin suggests, which I think is great is to set an agenda and basically say, right. So, so here's how this meeting is going to work. Um, the first 10 minutes, we're going to sit down and talk about this thing. And then, um, at 10 past, we're going to have um, uh, Susan from accounting. She's going to come in and talk to us about this for 10 minutes. And then she's going to go. And then we're going to have this person come in for, for five minutes to talk about this. You know, bringing people in for only the time that they need to be there. Um, and once you set that agenda, you you kind of, your timekeeping is a lot better because you you know that you're only, that person's only going to be there for, for a certain number of minutes. Um yeah, I just I just think it's a really good idea, and um, it might be something that I try when when I start running meetings. I just think it's really important to have a clear goal, and that's um, actually the first the first thing that Merlin has on his list is purpose, because he says that most meetings lack purpose. You know, you, you, it's not really clear at the start what this meeting is for. What are you going to come out with at the end? I mean, I'm sure that people organise regular meetings even when there might not be a clear need for it, you know, just like a, I don't know, a weekly status meeting or something like that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes nothing happens. I'm not mm. sure something happens. Um, but 
actually having a clear idea, like we're going to get together for 10 minutes and we're going to talk about typography. Yeah. I will do that with clients. Yeah. I, I will try to, um, involve them as much as possible. And I want to have conversations with them as, as often as possible. I don't want to ever leave yeah. it until the end of the week when I've been working on something for a week and then show them some stuff. Yeah. So I suppose I do do meetings, but I'll bring a group of people together and we will talk about type sizes on the iPad. Mm. And are these type sizes readable or do we need to change them? And yeah. as soon as that's done, then, you know, everybody gets back on with their day. And we might have, yeah. we might have another meeting the following day to talk about, you know, typography on a phone. Yeah. But keeping that, um, topic really, really narrow just so that things don't meander the whole time. Cause you know, yeah. people bring so you stuff said, to, to you. To talk about the design. Exactly. Um, and you know, the word, everybody seems to carry around or lots of people in business seem to carry around their own kind of bit of baggage. There's always something, you know, it's like a bloody council meeting. You know, there's always somebody that brings <laughs> along their own agenda. Yeah. Um, or there's always something that they want to talk about. You know, even if you're talking about typography on the iPad, somebody's going to want to talk about what goes in the carousel on the homepage. Mm. Um, or the, you know, and you haven't even got to that bit yet. You haven't, you haven't told them that there's not going to be a carousel on the homepage yet. So, um, the eighth thing on Merlin's list is focus. And he recommends for that is that you have a little notebook, you bring it with you. If anyone brings something up like that, um, you put it in the notebook, which he calls the parking lot, which is for ideas that aren't related to that meeting, but are kind of, it also, you might refer to it as the backlog. Um, in, in agile, you say, right, this isn't something we can talk about right now, but we'll put it in the backlog to look at later. And then you can move on. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense because it can often also diffuse maybe a little bit of tension. Yeah. It certainly keep people focused because, you know, meetings, people go off at tangents the whole time. Yeah. It's like all this banter at the start of a meeting and <laughs> exactly. people talking about soap. I know. Soap and burgers. You could yeah. waste so much time talking about <laughs> that shit. And people do, I hear. Mm. Terrible, terrible people. Um, another thing that he talks about is um, when meetings overrun and you get this thing where, like, say say you've got a group of people together, you're about to start a meeting, um, and there's one person who hasn't turned up because they're stuck in another meeting. And you kind of got to hold, you've got to delay, you've got to wait for them to arrive before you can really get started. Um, and he, he's, Merlin basically says, like, don't be that person who whose meeting overruns. Uh, make sure that it starts on time and it finishes on time because otherwise you get this domino effect where there's there's people who are kind of they're constantly being late for meetings because their last meeting uh finished late and it means other people can't start their meeting and then there's overruns as well because of that and it's just a mess um so yeah make sure that doesn't happen i can remember people that would literally they'd be like chain smokers but with meetings <laughs> you know they'd like one off another and yeah, well, th that would happen. You would get people walking in five or 10 minutes late going, I'm really sorry, but the last meeting overran. And then yeah. they'd be, they'd be going off to a third one to kind of directly after this. They would get no work done. Unless, of course, yeah. you consider that meetings are actually work, which are they? I think they can be. I think if you, if they run well, they can be. And, um, one of the things that is really important to do in a meeting, okay, as well as having an agenda and a purpose, is to take notes. And at the end of the meeting, everyone in that room should have a next action. So what what do they do when they come out of this meeting? What do they need to, um, you know, to get done? Because uh, otherwise you can come out of the meeting and think, wow, I, first of all, I didn't contribute at, at all to that. And secondly, you know, I didn't 
I didn't need to be there because I don't have anything that came out of it that I need to do. And that, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's bad. Everyone should have, um, a reason to be there, have something to contribute. And then at the end, have something to do. And then at the beginning of the next meeting, that if it's related, you talk about, you go through the list of things that, that the actions that people were given. So Merlin, he, he writes this up. Um, during the meeting, he'll write up action tasks for people. Then at the very end of the meeting, he will send that email to everyone. So he'll do like, everyone in the meeting is copied into that email so that they can see what other actions other people need to do as well. And then at the start of the meeting, you go through and see what people have done. Do you think it's and, important to have somebody actually documenting all of this stuff for people yes, as it goes I think along? There needs to be a note taker. There needs to be someone who is keeping notes. Because, you know, I've been involved in client meetings recently where I just thought that we were talking about stuff and, you know, bits and pieces that we needed to do. And then 20 minutes later, I get an email from the project manager with a list of all the stuff that we discussed. Yeah. And you think, wow, that was great because I was so yeah, busy talking, I couldn't take any notes. Yeah. And also it means that you don't get a situation where you forget about something or someone says, oh, I thought we agreed to do this in the meeting. And you say, oh, no, I thought we agreed to do this. You know, it, there's, I don't think there's a lot of point in having a meeting if you don't keep some sort of documentation. Well, and it's also useful for people who aren't at the meeting or can't come. And that way you can um, you can kind of get away with inviting fewer people because you can say, well, I'll send the summary off to 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 these people so that they can see what we talked about. And if they have any objections, then they can bring those in. My biggest issue, and I have this not just with meetings, but with the general amount of kind of communications that mm. um, businesses tend to generate. Um, you know, it, it seems to be common within a kind of a business culture for people to CC in everybody that they yeah. think is going to be interested in. And it's one of the reasons why Although I do enjoy working inside companies, that side of things can be, you know, incredibly frustrating. And it's, it's also why I kind of, I, I, whenever I have to join a base camp now, which is very rare, I make mm. sure that all the email notifications are turned off. In fact, I actually have a, a, a rule in my mail client that deletes all base camp emails. Oh, wow. What if someone mentions you in it? Well, you know, I, I always think to myself, if I need to go and look at something, I'll go and look at it on my terms. Yeah. You know, I'll set aside some time in the day to actually go to Basecamp. I don't need to be constantly pinged because people do CC you in on everything. And I just think that in the same way as I suppose we might measure our busyness by the number of GitHub commits or whatever mm. that we do in a day, I think that people sometimes measure their own busyness by the amount of emails that they generate or the amount of hours that maybe they've spent in meetings. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm just being too cynical, but you know, looking in from the outside, it often looks that way. I think it's a problem, but at the same time, if you've been in that meeting, it's kind of, that's a, that's an expensive use of time. So there should be some documentation for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise, what's the point in being there? Mm. So are you generally a fan of meetings or would you rather do things some other way? Would you rather do things either by email or through some kind of base camp or intranet or how do you prefer to work? I used to not be a fan of any meetings. And then I had, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people about them and, and there were a few said, you know, there can be good meetings. And when a meeting is run well, then you realize how effective it is and how useful it is. And I think I am a fan of meetings. I think they can achieve a lot more in a lot less time than an email thread. Um, sometimes you do just need to get people together in a room to talk about something. But 
it needs to be run well. It needs to be, there needs to be someone who's basically in charge of the group who is timekeeping, you know, they're making sure that, that the, that what people are talking about is focused. It needs to have an agenda. It needs to have people, um, people need to know, this is something else Merlin talked about. People need to know, is this a meeting where I can have my laptop open? Is it one where if I get a phone call, I can leave the room? Um, that's his kind of grazing policy, um, thing. Because you see a lot of people in meetings and they're sitting there, they're on the phones, they're not really paying attention. It's like, well, or, or you get people doing their work. It's like, well, if you're doing your work, maybe you shouldn't be in the meeting at all. Um, maybe you'd be more effective actually doing your work. So I think they're useful when they are run well. I think as well, not too many in a day, or if there are a lot in a day that they're all blocked together because it's really annoying when you're, uh, say you just come out of a meeting, then you've got 30 minutes to, until your next meeting. And in that 30 minutes, you're not going to get a lot done because you can't really focus on what you're doing. Um, I don't know, do you find that? Yeah, I did find that at STV particularly. Uh, you'd come out of a meeting and then there'd be like, like you say, half an hour, 40 minutes until you were going into something else. I yeah. mean, that's absolutely no time. But by the time you've just wandered and got yourself a cup of coffee and sat back down <laughs> at your desk again, and, you know, if you're the sort of person that then goes to check email, yeah, then you're left with, what, 20 minutes? Um, yeah. And that's not enough time to get your head into doing anything at all. So, yeah, I was... Because if you do, then you've got to, you know, come straight out of it again. I would always prefer... We try to do this with client meetings now, where we'll always try to have them literally the first thing that we do in the morning. Yeah. Um, even before we've sort of sat down and, and gone through anything else. People are awake. Well, <laughs> most people are a bit more awake than, say, first thing after lunch or whatever. You know, well, you probably don't want to actually set something for nine o'clock because you probably want to spend half an hour just talking to your side of the, you know, your our side, for example, and about what we're going to talk about. We might review some work that we're going to show people or whatever, and then we'll get into the meeting as quickly as we can. Yeah. Because... Then, you know, we might spend half an hour to an hour talking about a piece of work. If that's, you know, that's how long it takes. Sometimes it's a lot shorter than that. Mm-hmm. And then I probably don't want to do another thing. We try to schedule the other ones till the end of the day. Because even if you have something, you know, scheduled, even if it's a Skype call, yeah. you know, even if it's a, a, a prospective job or, you know, a sales call or something like that, the fact that you're breaking away at three or three thirty or four o'clock in the afternoon to actually to do that call, again, you're losing focus. You're losing concentration yeah. on, on the job I that you do. I completely agree. So, yeah, I think keeping them at the short at the beginning of the day and, you know, shortish at the end of the day. But, of course, you've got a, a built-in deadline because nobody wants to work after half past five. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to schedule a meeting for, what, five, five-fifteen, it's going to have a shelf life of all of its own. Yeah. Or right before lunch. <laughs> well, I think that people might be tempted to either work through lunch or, you yeah, know. Yeah, it depends. it depends the sort of people you work with, I guess. Have their sandwiches delivered or something like that. But, yeah, mm. I think if it's done well and there's a real clear purpose, then I think it's, like everything, it's about communication. Yeah. And if it's just about ticking a box or being seen to be busy because you're getting a group of people just basically wasting each other's time, well, mm. that's no good for anybody. I think I, something I might kind of encourage at the start of a meeting is um, – to just spend five minutes explaining who everyone in the room is, like what they do and what their purpose in the meeting is. So like, um, this is Andrea. She works in comms and she's going to um, basically, she's like going to be deciding um, how this is going to affect the people in her department. Um, just because that way you kind of, everyone has their place. Everyone has their, their purpose within the meeting. They're not just there to kind of, um, to be a kind of spectator that they're there to get involved. I suppose 
if we're the people that are running the meeting, which generally we are, you know, we're the, we're mm. the sort of, we want to get something out of the client. I mean, I can only think about it from my own kind of point of view. You know, we have meetings with people because we want them to sign something off or we want them to give us stuff that we need. So I suppose that if we're running the meeting, yeah, it would be very useful to actually sit down at the beginning and work out what the, what we want each person to do. Yeah. You know, what their role is in the room and also what their role is going to be afterwards. Yeah. So why are they there? Yeah. Rather than just inviting, you know, two or three people from the marketing department. Yeah. You know, we want to talk to the person that's going to give us the vector files for the logo. Yeah. And you don't want to be talking to people who can't make that decision. No, well, I suppose that's the other thing about meetings. I mean, we, we sort of have a policy when we're doing workshops now with clients where unless you show up to a meeting or to a workshop, you don't have an opinion. Yeah. Um, and that can be a, a really funny one. You know, you talk to a client about the process and they think, Oh, wow, that's a bit strong. Yeah. That's mm. a bit cheeky, but actually it works because, you know, you never want somebody coming to you at the last minute that hasn't been involved in the project giving you a load of stuff or, you know, helpful suggestions or something like that. Mm. So yeah, having somebody making it clear that unless you turn up, then, you know, you don't have an opinion on this thing. If you want to talk about the carousel, yeah. Just use that stupid analogy. You better be in a carousel meeting because we ain't putting your stuff in there unless you show up. Something that um, Lisa did, Lisa Reichelt, um, I worked with her on University of Surrey site and something that I think worked really well is she kind of had a similar policy, but um, she set up drop-in sessions. So she said, our door is always open. Just if you have any questions about, so she'd do like a big kind of presentation to anyone who wanted to turn up and watch about, what was happening on the website and it would just be giving people an update on what we'd done she'd be showing the prototype um and then any questions that people had she'd answer there but she'd also say you know if you if you if you have any questions just just come and visit us and that was really nice because sometimes we'd get people drop in and she was always open to talk to them and show them the prototype and explain things and and they might have some questions or suggestions but once it got to a stage where we were actually building the thing um if someone hadn't actually come, even after she advertised this, it's like, well, you know, there's nothing we can do now because you had the opportunity to um, say what you wanted, but you chose not to. Um, she she was really good at, with meetings as well, and she got a lot of um, people behind her. And no, I think it's important just to, just to have that clear purpose, communication, and uh, get in and get out as quick as you can. Mm. Yeah, um, something else that uh, Dan Benjamin talked about quite a bit was how he used to work for companies where he'd often be brought into a meeting and he'd just, it'd be like an hour or two. He'd just be sitting there saying nothing. And occasionally he'd get called on to answer a question. And he's saying for that time that he was sitting there, he had to stay really focused, listening to everyone, but he'd only make such small contributions. It would have been better if, um, if he could have just been kind of sitting outside the room doing his work. And then if they needed to ask him any questions, they could just bring him in for that time. And then he could go back to do his work. Yeah. I've not been involved in that sort of meeting. Uh, something else that, um, Merlin suggested, which is, um, which I really like was if you're not in charge of the meeting and you're being asked to come to this meeting that you know that you're not going to have a lot to contribute to, if anything, um, is to ask the person who's running it, how shall I prepare for this meeting? Um, and I really like that. It's like saying, you know, what, what am I going to be able to contribute to this? What do you want out of me? Um, cause it's not as, it's not as forward as saying, do I really need to be here? It's kind of saying, you know, what, what can I contribute? And if I can't contribute anything, maybe, you know, maybe it would be best if I didn't come. 
Have you ever listened to Debug podcast? No. It's Guy English and uh, Rene Ritchie, who are mm. two developers. And they did a series. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes if I can re- remember. Um, they did a couple of episodes with two fairly senior Apple executives um, or ex-Apple executives. Hmm. One guy that was in charge of iOS uh, and another guy that worked on OS X. And one of the things that they were talking about was the, the meetings that they had to go to. And it was, it was really interesting because a lot of it was about meeting with Steve Jobs, which, of course, is, you know, on a totally different level. But the other thing that they were talking about was the fact that at Apple still they have their uh, Monday morning status meeting where mm. all of the senior vice presidents will get together with the CEO to obviously talk about the, the direction of the business. And they do this every week. And everybody has to turn up with something very important that they're talking about. So the managers mm. under them are providing them with information. So, for example, Scott Forstall, uh, when he was at Apple, he would be emailing his team literally all of Sunday, you know, wanting information for, for this or that, um, right the way up, you know, through the night on Sunday night, because, you know, he'd be turning up to a meeting with Steve jobs and, uh, you know, he needed to have all the information that he needed. Hmm. So, you know, obviously those meetings have real purpose and people are preparing for them. They're not just idly turning up. Yeah. So I think, yeah, asking, asking, well, what's my contribution going to be? What do I need to do? Yeah. To prepare so if for everyone it, has something idea. to contribute, it it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. It's a good it's a good podcast, and I don't really do it justice. Kind of skimming, picking out bits. There are but, some um, good podcasts out lately. Some different ones I've discovered. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I I try to to listen as widely as I can because I think it's important. Yeah, you, know, you just get different ideas for how people are presenting things. Mm. So what else have I listened to recently? Um, I've started listening to something called Hello Internet. <laughs> uh, CGP Gray and Brady Haran. That's quite interesting. They do things really, really well. Um, there's a f- have you listened to Ethan's one, Ethan and Karen? No, I haven't because I try to avoid web ones, to be honest. I mean, not that I'm not interested, but yeah. I don't find it particularly valuable. This is really good though. I mean, if, if, if you were into web podcasts, it's, it's very, it's 30 minutes long, very focused, um, lot of good content in there. They interview someone who they ask really good questions of people who've done a responsive project and they talk specifically about that project. And I imagine knowing those two that they will be, you know, very well prepared, very well researched. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did listen to the first couple, uh, because I think it was, uh, somebody from the Boston Globe, I think was on the first episode. Yeah. So I did listen to the first few, but, uh, yeah, I, I try to listen to sort of things that are a little bit kind of, uh, outside of our small corner of the web where I you can. You might like, um, there's one called Criminal. And I spent a day just listening to all of them. Um, and it's about kind of, um, criminal cases that are kind of unusual. So the first one is about, um, someone who was convicted of murdering his wife, but a neighbor sort of started investigating it and he thinks it was actually an owl. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't heard it, that. It's good. It's really good. I listen to uh, Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's film podcast, which I think is excellent from the BBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Debug is very good. There's a podcast now called Upgrade, mm-hmm. which is uh, Mike Hurley, who you know, yeah, and Jason Snell, who used to be at Macworld. Um, and that's a kind of a Mac tech 
podcast, but they do that with, with a lot of personality, which is, which is fun. I enjoy that one. Yeah. And, uh, I, accidental tech. Oh yeah. With, uh, Marco Armen and, uh, Jason Syracuse. John Syracuse and Casey Liss. That's, that's a favorite. Um, and my absolute favorite, I mentioned this on the show before is Ice T's final level podcast, (laughs) which is every two weeks. And it is just hilarious. It's exactly as you would imagine an Ice T podcast to be. (laughs) But yeah, I'm trying to listen to things that are a little bit kind of wider and a little bit out of our, uh, and it's out of our kind of small corner of the web. And it's the same with what I'm reading as well. Yeah. I subscribe to a lot more kind of design, uh, marketing and advertising, uh, journals now yeah. rather than just typical web stuff. I like ones that kind of teach you something. So I'm quite into, um, there's, there's a podcast called Stuff You Should Know and every episode they talk about just something different. So like how x-rays work. Um, latest one is how cinnamon works. Um, can, uh, how extension works and skywriting and, uh, currency socialism. Ebola. It, it's all kind of really, it's the sort of thing you, you might not want to listen to every single episode, but maybe just pick out ones that, on topics that you're interested in. That sounds like exactly the kind of thing that Jeremy Keith would love. <laughs> oh, I imagine Jeremy Keith's podcast uh, list is quite long. Well, I must get him back on the show next year as well, not just to talk about films, but because mm. I think we need to continue our discussion about advertising, which people seem to like last time. <laughs> So I suppose, to use your old phrase, that I've kept up, we should wrap it up. Yeah, we should wrap it up. You always used to say that. Oh, it's just cribbing off uh, back to work. (laughs) Oh, no, they say we should button it up. No, I carried on saying that. But before we go, I'd like to say that I owe an enormous debt of thanks to everyone that I've spoken to on Unfinished Business this year and last year. Um, But this year we've had Ashley Baxter, who's hysterical. Well, she's not hysterical. She's hysterically funny. And her Scottish slang word of the week. Uh, Benjamin Holloway, who I think you know. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed his his episode. Yeah, that was really good. He was such a fun guy. Not a fun guy. Uh, You don't make mushroom jokes too, do you? Brendan Dawes, Christopher Murphy, Cole Henley, Dr. Claire Simons, uh, who we spoke to at the live live recording at the Mm Webbies. Harry Roberts, Jeremy Keith, who we mentioned, John Davey, uh, John Hicks, Jory Raphael, uh, Laura Kalbag, Liz Elcote, who's also hilarious and so gullible. <laughs> the last time she was on the show, I convinced her that Giant Haystacks, the wrestler, was my uncle. What? Yeah, I know. It was one of those weeks. Mr. Boag, Rachel Andrew, who I love, uh, Relly Annette Baker, Sarah Sawedan. Now, she was fascinating. I'd like to talk I to her that again. Podcast. I'd really like to talk to her again. She's just on fire right now. She's yeah. everywhere. Um, and she's going to be in Australia the week before we are. So isn't it weird in this game? You know, you, you kind of get to know people a little bit and then you see them, but like in weird places around the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we're very lucky in that respect. Sean Johnson and uh, last week who's on the show, Trent Walton. Um, and of course you, the amazing Anna Debenham. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Now I've really enjoyed making Unfinished Business and it will be back in February some point with some new guests. And I hope you'll all join me then. Until then, thanks for listening. And I'd like to wish everyone a happy Christmas and a prosperous new year. Happy Christmas. Cue the country Christmas song that I'm now going to cut in. <laughs> Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock 